are listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is baptistchurch.com. Well, amen. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis, Genesis 12, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says here in Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, and we have here the Abrahamic covenant of the Jewish people, the Israelite people. It said that the Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Let's pray again. Lord, we thank you and we love you. We give you all the glory and honor. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Um, I had a problem this morning. I couldn't find my black belt, and no, I'm not into martial arts, so, uh, but I couldn't find my black belt, and um, I finally, it was, it was almost broken, it was almost uh, tearing in pieces, so what I did was I got Sheila to help me put this belt on, kind of navigate, getting it around my waist, working around that break. Well, a little while ago, I, I, I had it on, and I was going to try to tighten it up a little bit, and it finally broke. And, and so now it says genuine leather, but uh, Calvin Klein genuine leather, but I realized that it looks like it's got a lot of cardboard in it. In other words, I don't think it's made as well as they say that it's made. But I thought to myself, I thought, you know, God, this is a good illustration. I felt like God wanted me to say this is a good illustration. Because the reality is, in some ways, we're going to talk a little bit about a biblical worldview. Your worldview, how you view your life in light of the Bible and the biblical worldview, or some people would say the biblical narrative, your, your biblical worldview is like my belt. Now, I can tell you right now, let me tell you, I'll never be a sagger. I, I, I almost admire these guys that can have their britches down here. I don't see how they do it. In fact, I have to lean, I lean the other way. I remember years ago, we had a man by the name of Cecil Lowe. Cecil Lowe lived to be about 102. And I don't know how he did it, but he got the, he had, his waist was up here. And I look at some of these old men, you know, they'll pull their pants way up here. And I'm beginning to realize that I'm wanting to do that as well. So today, my pants are kind of sagging. I don't like it. it makes me very uncomfortable. And, and so, but you see, your, your worldview is like this belt. It, 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 it kind of, it, it, it holds up everything. Okay, it holds up everything. Now, going back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, I want you to look at that again. Because this is God calling Abraham, who is the father of the Jewish nation, This is God calling Abraham and entering into a covenant relationship, much like like when you get married. Now look at verse 3. I will bless those who what? Who bless you. And whoever curses you, I I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now I wrote this down. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that is a promise to nations? Yes. Now let me ask you another question. Do you believe that's an individual promise to you as a child of God? Do you believe that? Because I do. I don't believe that's just some broad general statement that God was making. I believe this. You know the Bible, you know how much God loves you? Do you realize that the Bible says you're the apple of his eye just like Israel? Do you realize that the Bible said if you're walking to your car and you dash your foot on a stone, that the Bible says that 72,000 angels stand ready to make sure that you don't come to any harm? Do you realize how much God loves you? You know what God says about you? God says exactly what Emily Williams says. 
You know what Emily Williams says, and I don't even have to ask her? Emily Williams says this, Brother Jeff, if you're good to Sadie, if you love Sadie, if you bless Sadie, then I'll be good to you. I'll bless you and I'll love you. I remember years ago when Sadie was in the hospital at Batson and she was sick and Sheila sent me up there with a book. I don't believe she's ever forgotten that act of kindness to this day. Emily's still now smiling and shaking her head. You see, I literally have been blessed by Emily because I love her child. That's exactly what God says here. God says, if you love my people, both old covenant people, new covenant people, Israel, the church, God says, if you love my kids, I'll love you. And that's great, isn't it? You see, that's a promise for all of us. But what is happening to America? What's happening around the world today? Well, just like my broken belt here, the world is in the middle of, of a lot of turmoil, a lot of transition. We've got a lot of worldviews that are all vying for attention. You see, there's an Islamic worldview. Now, let me tell you something about your pastor. I've got dear friends that are Muslims. And let me tell you what I love about my Muslim friends is I've had the ability to have honest and open conversations and I've seen some of my Muslim friends pick up a Bible, read the Bible, be convinced that Christ was the Messiah, turn from Islam and become a Christian. So, you know, I don't... If you hear me talking about the Muslim, may you understand that as a Christian... I love Muslims, but there's a radical element of Islam that is, is, for example, Hamas. Hamas, a terrorist organization, who are very dangerous, who are in many ways outside of mainline Muslim worldview. And, and you see, there is a radical Islamic jihad-type Muslim belief that is their worldview. That's it. And if eventually they were to get power, they would have an enormous amount of influence all over the world, and they already are. Now, there's another worldview. There's a Marxist worldview. That's a false political ideology. And we've seen that in history. Um, it's, it's, it's been around for, for a long time. Karl Marx said this. He said, get them to forget their history, and we can rewrite it. Do you see that in America today? And then there's another worldview. It's a Western civilization worldview. Western civilization. It is Western civilization is based on a biblical worldview, a worldview that is based on Judeo-Christian ethics, morality. You understand? In other words, the Western civilization, for the most part, is based on the Bible. So you've got, listen, you've got the Islamic radical Islamic jihad that is saying we want to wrap around this world our world system. You've got Marxist, a failed political ideology that says we want to wrap around this world and around the United States and the world. We want to wrap around our worldview. And then you've got Western civilization based on the Judeo-Christian ethic, based on a biblical worldview and should be our worldview, and we're saying this is my worldview, and God knows if it breaks and comes loose, everything falls apart. Does that make sense? And all God's people said, amen. Now, we've got one more worldview, and it's a pagan worldview. Do you know that's a worldview? Do you know there's a pagan worldview, kind of an atheistic worldview that's no God at all? It's kind of a, I wrote down here, it's a narcissistic self-absorbed life based on the right of the individual to live with a relative truth that is vacillating according to their hedonistic desires. We saw that in the 1960s with the sexual revolution. Sex, sexual revolution was simply this. We're rejecting the biblical worldview, Western civilization based on a Judeo-Christian uh, worldview and we're casting aside all restraint and we're just basically ripping our belt off 
and in essence letting our britches down and we're just experiencing a sexual revolution. And the outcome of that is, is that then we had, to, we, had to, we had to figure out what to do when, sexual, when this sexual freedom gave us pregnancies that we didn't want. So we, in 1973, after the 1960s, we created Roe v. Wade. You see that biblical worldview, that paganistic worldview that says it's all about me. It's about drugs, it's about alcohol, it's about gambling, it's about pornography. I ought to have the freedom to do whatever I want to do with no boundaries. And that's another worldview that's sweeping across America today. And it's not a worldview that Jesus didn't see, you remember? I mean, Satan introduced that worldview in Genesis chapter 3 when he told Adam and Eve, you need to do what makes you feel good. Or in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, where Satan said to Jesus, listen, if you'll bow down and pay me homage, if you'll worship me, I'll give you all the stuff you want. You see that pagan worldview. Now, two weeks ago, we looked at some of the signs that you and I as Christians cannot ignore. Talked about the drying up of the Euphrates that Revelation 16, 12 talks about. It says that God will dry up the Euphrates River and an army of over 200 million foot soldiers will come from the east. And we said that it, that's happening. 2040 projected the Euphrates will dry up and already China boasts of an army over 200 million foot soldiers. So that's not a sign we can ignore. Syria, one of the main recipients of agricultural commerce that comes through the Euphrates, is right now experiencing a crisis, a drought, a famine, and in some ways I'm starting to wonder if we will be. It's been a long time since we've had rain, hasn't it? It's starting to get a little scary, isn't it? So Syria, the city of Damascus, is the oldest city in civilization. And yet Isaiah said that the city of Damascus in Isaiah 17, before the coming of Christ, would be, a, would be a pile of rubble. It would be ruined. And if the Euphrates dries up, Syria dries up, becomes a humanitarian disaster, causes all, all kinds of problems. And Damascus, the oldest, oldest city in civilization, according to Isaiah 17, will be no more. Are we living in those days? Then we looked at Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, where Jesus was asked, what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus said, you'll see false Christ. We talked about that. You'll see wars and rumors of wars. We talked about that. You'll see famine and pestilence, disease, earthquakes, persecution. We talked about that. Signs are given everywhere. In fact, the longest answer that Jesus gave in the Bible was to the answer, when would he come back? So it must be important. Then last week, Ledge preached, and boy, I tell you what, as a dad, I was proud. In fact, I've listened to it three times and shared it twice on Facebook. Ledge gave us a lawyer's reflection on an overview of Israel's history and where Israel is right now. He explain to us what Zionism is, a belief that, that the nation of Israel should be entitled to a land, a homeland, a place they can call home. And let me add this, we are Zionists. Did you know that? Did you know that the church is Zionist? Do you know that Iran that ceases to, to exterminate the Jewish people off the face of the earth and the Hamas that seeks a terrorist organization that seeks to rid the earth of, of the Jewish people, do you know that also we're included into that as Zionists? He reminded us that, or educated us to some of the phrases. He talked last week about from this statement, river to the sea, meaning that from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, that there should be no country for the Jews, and the Jews should not exist. He reminded us that Hamas, who won political power in 2006, he reminded us that Israel in 2005 pulled out, all contest, out of all contested territories, built a wall and said, you can have it. 
He reminded us in 2007, the terrorist organization that was elected by the Palestinian people in turn began to shoot bombs into Israel after 2007. He reminded us just like a politician would, and I wonder sometimes if that's not where he needs to be, that you cannot, you cannot negotiate with people who do not believe you should exist. You can't go over and compromise and work through a problem with your neighbor, neighbor if your neighbor says, I want you dead and out of here. There's no ability to come to any kind of reconciliation, any kind of settlement. Academic demonstrations today are unbelievable around the world. In Sydney, Australia, where they said gas the Jews. Do you know the last group to say gas the Jews was the Nazis? I'm reading a book or have read a book by Rod Dreyer. He wrote a book called Live Not By Lies. Live Not By Lies. Do you know what that book is? It's a book sent, for, it's a compilation of those who survived the Holocaust and Nazism who have put together a book to send to us to try to warn us what's coming if we don't wake up. Ledge reminded us of organizations, Black Lives Matter, which is a Marxist feminist organization that celebrated the Hamas celebrated Hamas and their attacks on the Jewish people. He reminded us that queers for Palestine was almost ludicrous. It was illogical. didn't even make sense. Why would the LGBTQ and the queer community, why would they back Hamas and an Islamic extremist group who, if the queer or the LGBTQ were in their country, would exterminate them, would kill them? doesn't make sense. In fact, he even said that Israel had more leniency in the LBGT, LBGTQP, whatever, community than some. And when you hear me say P, let me remind you I'm saying pedophile. He reminded us that 400% increase in anti-Jews in this country, and listen, in the UK, in the UK right now, in London, where hundreds of thousands, where over 100,000 people had demonstrated against the nation of Israel in support of the Palestinian and Hamas. Do you know what anti-Semitism in England has grown 1,300%? Wow. Tell that to Winston Churchill and all the people who stood against Nazism and against the Germans, and now they are embracing the ideology that... the, the uh, of a political regime. Wow. Western civilization is under attack like it's never been before. Jewish students are attacked on every major university dead today. He reminded us that the White House spokesman and President Biden, uh, 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 Biden said this, there is no credible threat to the Jewish citizens and defends the Muslim extremist in light of clear offenses to the Jewish people. He reminded us that some even believe the Jews are to blame for what happened at the hands of Hamas. At Harvard, he reminded us 31 groups, not individuals, groups are holding the Israelis responsible for what's happening in the Middle East. And he finally ended by saying the response of the American today is apathy, indifference, American fragility, and I would add just plain fear. We're afraid to stand up. Are we in the last days? I don't know. But I can tell you this much. When you want to know whether we're in the last days or not, always look to Israel because that's a good sign. So let's take a moment and let's look at that. First of all, understand this. If you don't have a biblical worldview and that's not the foundation of your marriage, not the foundation of your parenting, not the foundation of your life, not the foundation of how you interact in this life. In other words, your biblical worldview is a biblical narrative. In other words, history is his story, his story, and where I fit in that biblical narrative. You know what I'm afraid of? While some of you are wasting your life away, squandering it, you don't care whether you live or die, 
I'm begging God to let me hang on so I can be a part of what God's sending now, what's happening in the world. You see, a biblical worldview values life. Values life. Now, let's look at an overview of the end time. First of all, first of all, it begins with the crucifixion, doesn't it? Jesus Christ was crucified. He ascended. And he began what we call the present church age. That's part of my worldview. When Jesus Christ went up into heaven, when he ascended up into heaven, when he said, Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church, what in essence he was saying, and what Peter says, Jeff, you're a lithos, you're a stone, you're a brick in God's building, in his church. And what God says to me, and what I understand, what my biblical worldview says, is that I'm the salt, light, and yeast everywhere I go 24-7. It's all about spreading the kingdom of God. It's my biblical worldview. And when Jesus left, he said, listen, Jeff, I'm leaving you with these instructions. You be the salt, light, and yeast. And that's everything. The next event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. What is that? Paul talked about it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18, where Paul talked about you and I being called up. What does that mean? He says the dead in Christ will rise first, and you and I who are alive and remain shall be called up, that's the word rapture, shall be called up together with Christ in the air. That's, listen, everybody listen, that's not the second coming of Jesus Christ. His foot does not stand on the Mount of Olives. He is not stepping foot. That's midair. Now, everybody listen closely. That means this. If the rapture takes place in the twinkling of an eye, faster than I just did that, that means you and I are going to feel the law of gravity give way. We're going to start heading up toward heaven. We're start, hey, listen, walls don't mean anything just like walls didn't mean anything to Jesus' resurrected body, right? He just moved through walls. That doesn't mean anything. That's not in the way. I'm just going to go right up through it in a glorified body. I'm going to meet Christ midair. Now, guess what's going to happen? My grandmother over in Yazoo City, I'm going to look and see her spirit coming down, her resurrected, glorified body, and they're going to meet midair. Some of you sit around and mope and grieve over people that have gone on, and the reality is, is God's saying, live your life! Because one day God's going to give that trump. The trumpet God of God, will, Christ will call, and in that moment when Gabriel puts his mouth to that trumpet and sounds that trumpet, my friend, you and I are called up together. We're going to go up into heaven, and our loved ones are going with us. And boy, that ought, to, that ought to get us excited, midair. But everybody listen, the third event on God's calendar is when you and I are experiencing the greatest joy, the moment we've lived for, in the same moment for the next seven years, all hell breaks loose on this earth. You think the city of Jackson is bad now? You ain't seen nothing yet. When you remove God's people, when you remove His Holy Spirit, when God's Spirit is no longer moving in the hearts and lives of people, you think crime is bad now, it'll be beyond anything you could imagine. But that rapture will initiate seven years of tribulation. Number four, that tribulation, that judgment that the book of Revelation speaks of. Davion could get up here probably and teach it as well as anybody now. That word revelation means what? It means to unveil, means to pull back the curtains. God's going to send a series of three judgments. He'll send the seal judgment. He'll send the bowl or vial judgment. He'll send the trumpet judgments. Those three series of judgments will come like that in the seven-year period of tribulation. You and I won't be there. Why? Because the Bible said we'll be delivered from God's wrath. So it'll come in, in, in three different ways. And you may say, will people be saved? Everybody listen closely. Look this way. Yes. Bible makes it clear during the tribulation, people will come to Christ. They'll be saved. But everybody listen closely. You'll be saved and you'll be killed. Bible says, and let me tell you how you'll be killed. Everybody listen. You'll be beheaded. 
You, you may say, well, you know, that's a barbaric way to kill somebody. We've got far more humane. We've got lethal injection. We've got the electric chair. We've got better ways of doing that. You mean that we would return to such a barbaric way? You better believe it. Look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. Take a, take a right, go all the way over toward the end of your Bible and see this. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, watch what... John the Beloved said on the Isle of Patmos. John, uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, I saw thrones on which we're seated. This is the thousand-year reign of Christ. We'll talk about that in a moment. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been judged, who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of them who had been what? Who had been beheaded because of what? because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. You're going to, beheading is a form of, of execution among Islamic jihad. A single village, single village in Israel, single village, one village, 40 babies were killed and then beheaded. Jordan Peterson, in an interview with Os Guinness, Os Guinness is a brilliant English author and a social critic, a man by the name of John Anderson, and a woman, this woman fascinated me. Her name is A.M. Hersi Ali. She supports Israel and said that's a moral choice. She's a Somali-born former Muslim who turned atheist. She is an activist for women's rights among Muslim women. She works for the Hoover Institution at Stanford. And if you want to know who heads that, Condoleezza Rice. That's the quality of some of the leadership there. She was senior fellow at Harvard University. She stated, listen to her, this Somali-born Muslim turned atheist, said, I am fighting for Western civilization and for my children and your children. She said, we have to fight and stand or stand. The hopelessness for me comes when people make excuses for evil. When 100,000 people, and she's in England, when 100,000 people who enjoy the benefits of Western civilization while marching for evil and making an excuse for evil, it makes me despair because we don't stand up. And then listen to what she said, this Somalian-born Muslim woman. And boy, this sent a chill down me. She said, it's not just the Jewish babies they are beheading. They will behead your babies if you don't fit into their narrative, their story, and their worldview. A Somalian-born Muslim. What do we say? Western civilization is based on what? A Judeo-Christian worldview. It's based on the Bible, Old and New Testament. Yet the woke left, and more so those who have kidnapped the Democratic Party, have devalued life at every turn. You see, if you hold to an Islamic jihad extremist form, such as we see in Hamas, and even among some of the Palestinians, and even some in the Muslim world, even in Iran, and let me also say this, everybody listen, you don't hear anything else, listen. Everybody look this way. Do you know where the fastest growing movement of God is in the world today? Iran. Fastest growing conversion, people coming to Christ in the underground church is no longer in China, it's in Iran. Now what does that tell you, what Led said last week? That's not even logical. Yes, it is if you believe in a spiritual world. Let me tell you, you and I, we, hey listen, submit therefore to God, resist the devil. And let me tell you what those people are doing. Many people, men, women, and children are coming to Christ in Iran today. Fastest growing movement of Christianity today in the most extremist Islamic world. You know why? Because many of those people are rejecting that Islamic jihad worldview and saying that's not what we want for our family. But in America, I don't know. No, I don't really know. 
be honest with you, I got so depressed yesterday, I couldn't even name the title of the sermon. I started looking at pastor friends and people who are preaching, and I didn't even see they even brought up. They didn't even bring up the nation of Israel on October the 7th invasion. They didn't bring it up, I think, on the 9th. Many of you, I'm not going to look at your Facebook because I know you didn't do anything. And I'm talking to you watching live stream because you were too lazy to come to church. We're not bothered by 40 babies being killed and beheaded. It doesn't matter to us because we killed about 70 million through Roe v. Wade. And before you amen too loud, let me remind you this, many of them you voted into office. Benny Thompson in his over 30 years, his anniversary has never voted one time in favor of the unborn. And if he wants to come and apologize to me, he can. We don't have no problem with 40 babies killed and beheaded because as uh, Ayan Ali says, this Somalian-born Muslim, she spoke of, of this threat of beheading coming to us. We don't have no problem with that because we've been doing that for a long time. In fact, we've got so bad, we would do this. We would deliver the head of the baby suck the brains out of the baby and then to deliver the baby just so we could cover our tracks. When that wasn't enough, we were taking the baby at full term or a botched abortion and we set the baby on the, on the shelf and quote, make them comfortable until they die. No, we're not bothered at all in this country by babies being headed because we don't care. As Ledge said last week, it's our American fragility it's not white fragility. It's not black fragility. It's an American Western fragility. We don't care. And it doesn't matter. Women in Somalia, Muslim women in Somalia, and what Ali went on to say, suffer genital mutilation. In other words, they are severely, sometimes crippled and disabled in those Islamic countries. And I thought to myself, we as Americans, we don't have no problem with that because we got a hard left that's pushing children and teenagers that are confused in their gender identity to be encouraged, encouraged to be surgically altered, and we'll pay for it. No, we're not bothered by it at all. It doesn't matter to us. We don't care. We kill our babies and killed millions of them. We mutilate our children and call it progress the devaluing of women, watching an Israeli woman pulled by her hair while blood was running down both legs because she had been uh, viciously raped by crowds applauding. But we don't care. We're in the sexual revolution. We're polluting the world with our crap. Feminist movement feminist movement's been dead silent on what's happened to these Israeli women. And as Ledger reminded us last week, this was not done like the Nazis, quietly with nobody knowing. They put the videos and even call, called the family members on the phones of the people that they were murdering and persecuting and mutilating and sent it to them. No, we don't mind barbaria, uh, we don't mind paganism, we're barbaric. Watch our movies. Play our games. The reality is, is most of you wouldn't share none of this, including you watching. I thought to myself, poor Ken came up last week to me, all excited on a Wednesday night. He said, Brother Jeff, I broke that sermon down two weeks ago in 10-minute sections and put it on TikTok. And he said, I'm going to do the same with Ledge. He said one 10-minute segment had 10,000-plus views. And he said you ought to read some of the comments. No, you put, your, you put your oatmeal recipe and you put the little stories that you put up while the world is in one of the most desperate hours it's ever been. But we don't care. We're lukewarm. And God said he'll spew us out of his mouth. Contrary to your biblical worldview, Ben Shapiro said this. He said, the Western civilization, the West, will sleepwalk our way into extinction. Wow. 
And you may say, well, what do you want me to do? What can I do? Eric McTaxis in his book, Letters to the American Church, great book. Letters to the American Church, you know what it's written? Eric Metaxas wrote about a 700-page biography on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I read that book, and I can tell you it affected my life. And in his book, on his biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer was trying to wake up the German church and Christianity in his day to understand what was coming in the way of one of the greatest humanitarian disasters of all, and that was the killing of the Jews. He tried to assassinate, along with a group of people, Adolf Hitler and failed. And he tried to wake the church up to what was happening. Here's a Live Not By Lies, a book written by Rod, Rod Dreyer. It's a compilation of those people who lived out what Bonhoeffer was living through and what Eric Metaxas warns us of. This is a compilation of what they see happening in America. You may say, what do you want me to do? Eric Metaxas in his books, Letters to the American Church, said this, we need to engage with everything in us. We need to engage with everything in us. He went on, Bonhoeffer warned the German church that their apathy and indifference would carry a high cost. And Bonhoeffer said this, he said, silence in the face of evil is evil. And boy, that's true. Metaxas, who went on to write this biography of Bonhoeffer, said this. He said, if you do not speak out, you are being neutral. And in fact, you are contributing to the success of the thing you refuse to name and condemn. Either we hate evil or we fight evil. Either we speak and thereby help others to speak truth, or we cower down in silence and thereby lead others to do the same. That's what you were saying in Sunday school, Larry. Our faith is contagious, and so is our courage, and so is our fear. What time is it? Back to our timeline. Ezekiel 36 through 39, every prophet says it. We're going through the minor prophets on Wednesday night. Every prophet said it, there will come a day when the nations of the world will be gathered in Israel for a final conflict. It's called Armageddon. It'll be a battle that will be fought. Napoleon said it was a natural battlefield when he saw it for the first time. It's a 200-mile-long basin that the Bible says will be so full of blood that it will come to the bridle of horse. I watched the Breeders' Cup yesterday because I love watching the horse races. And I thought to myself, think about that, to the bridle of a horse. Battle of Armageddon. When God gathers the nations, the Bible says he'll gather them, and there Satan will be defeated, and Satan will be imprisoned. You know, Priscilla Shire, you wouldn't believe the, the anti... Uh, you wouldn't believe the anti-Jew stuff I'm getting. We've had some nuts come through this church. I hope they're listening. They're just absolute nuts. Most of them are young white males that ain't worth a dime, can't do anything. Have no kids, care nothing about the world, nothing else. It's just amazing some of the people that come, that come out of the church and go to some of the ideologies that they believe. It's just amazing to me. But I share Pris Priscilla Shire, African-American woman, daughter of Tony Evans, and Tony Evans has come out strong against what's happening to the Jewish people. I love this. Reggie, who will always be a precious memory to me and a part of this church, Reggie and Brother Carl, who preached here in this pulpit, Brother Carl, that church and those people, those men and women, are standing on the side of Israel. Let me tell you what that costs you. Hey, pick, go get you a banner praying for Israel and stick it out in your yard over here. I dare you. Let me tell you what will happen. It won't be there long. And your house may be vandalized. 
Why? Because we've got anti-Semitism everywhere, but it's because we're living in a spiritual war. It's raging for the soul of America. And as I said last week, you don't find much of America in this. Eastern Gate is walled up, according to Priscilla Shire. I think she said 16 feet of concrete. Do you know why the Eastern Gate was sealed? Because the Bible says the Messiah will come through the Eastern Gate when he returns. So you know what the Muslims did in 1542? In 1542, the Muslims, an Ottoman sultan, knew the scriptures. He walled it up at least 16 feet of concrete. Then he put a Muslim cemetery in front of the Eastern Gate, and he said, that'll stop him. And I can guarantee you this much. When Jesus comes in all of his glory and the Bible says he'll come in the battle of Armageddon, he'll put his foot on the Mount of Olives. Do you know who's coming with him? Listen, if you're a child of God, you've repented, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, guess what? You're coming to the battle. You're coming to the battle. And hey, it ain't going to be no battle. You know what the Bible says? He's going to destroy him with the breath of his mouth sword of his spirit. You say, well, wait a minute. You mean this sword? Yeah, this sword here. The only offensive weapon you have, this sword right here. He's coming. And you and I are going to come with him. And you know the Bible talks about earthquake. Those two Muslim mosques, there's walls, there's cemeteries, nothing will stop him. He's coming. And my wife's sitting here right now with tears in her eyes crying. Turn to Revelation. I'm going to close in a moment. Turn to Revelation 20. Go back there. Let's read 4 through 6, and we'll close in a moment. Listen to this. John said in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of them who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the Word of God. I thought to myself, even then, I want everybody to listen, I thought, and I believe it's the presence of God. I believe Jesus Christ just said to me, Jeff, the moment those babies were dying, the moment they were dying, legions of angels were standing ready, taking each one of them and bringing them to the throne of God. I've got a grandbaby that's in heaven right now. His name is Jesse. I woke up one night, couldn't sleep, went in there and laid down on the couch, fell asleep. And all of a sudden, I was in heaven. And I was standing next to this big, good-looking, tall, he just, he, he just tall, much taller than I am. And I was looking up at him, his face was chiseled out, black hair, and he, and he, and he was looking and he was smiling real big, just looking to his right in this direction. And in that moment, God told me, this is, the, this is the baby that was lost. This is the baby that is in heaven. This is Jesse. I want you to see him. And I looked at him. Sheila looked at me, and I was crying, trying to tell her my dream. And she looked at me and said, did he say anything to you? I said, no, not a word. He was just looking at Jesus with a beautiful smile on his face. My friends, some of you who have lost your babies, don't you think for a moment they're not in heaven? No more than those 40 babies that were killed at a, at a, by Hamas terrorists in that moment they were ushered into heaven. Safe in the arms of Jesus. Earthquake will come and clean it all out. Christ will win at the valley of Megiddo, the battle of Armageddon. He'll set up rule and he'll reign from the city of Jerusalem. And we don't have time. We'll stop here. We'll pick up at Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. But I can tell you this much. I have lived my life when I was a 15-year-old kid. When I was a 15-year-old kid, my dad called me his brother, 39 years old, my uncle Tom, was dying. We didn't know that at the time. He was in Yazoo City. And my, my dad looked at me and he said, Jeff, I've got to leave and go to work in Jackson. Will you come and sit with Tom? And I went and I sat next to an uncle that I loved, 39 years old, 
I looked and his fingers were turning purple and I knew he was losing his oxygen. He couldn't breathe. He had a viral pneumonia similar to what we call COVID. This was in the 1970s. He had his fingers turning, turning blue. Fingers turning blue. He was sitting there and he was, he was dying. And, my, and I, here I am, a 15... Year old boy, teenager, sitting next to him, holding his hand. He was going back through his life. Every detail, just like you were playing back a tape recorder, playing everything, just even, even when he was in the war in Korea, when he was hiding out in a cave, when he was waiting to be discharged, when he was waiting to be picked up. For the last week of his life, he and a group of men were hiding out, waiting to be picked up. He was telling all these stories. He talked about buying this red car, and he was telling all these stories doctor came in, looked at my grandparents. My grandmother, I know she'll re she regrets it to this day, but he said, listen, he's got viral pneumonia. This is very contagious, but if somebody wants to ride with him, you didn't have an ambulance back then. We had a hearse, Strickland King hearse in Yazoo City. They came to that hospital, that hearse, they loaded him up, and the doctor said, will anybody ride with him? And man, I'm going to tell you, I said, I will. I love my uncle. Climbed up in the back of that ambulance. So I could see fear all over his face. I worried about him. Here I was. I didn't have no idea. I didn't have no idea. I, and finally at a certain point, the last thing he said, he patted my leg and he said, Jeff, he said, you're a good boy. Fifteen minutes after we got to VA, 39 years old, he was gone. My dad said he dreamed about him, said he was in heaven. And my dad said he was sitting there with another man who died. And they were sitting there laughing in the most beautiful place my dad said he had ever seen in his life. And he said, Tom, and looked at this man and said, uh, Raphael, that's my dad, that's what he would have called, or Pal, they called him Pal. said, Pal doesn't know where he's at. And my Uncle Tom was laughing because he had a contagious laugh. You and I will be there one day. One day we're all going to die. If the rapture doesn't take place, we're going to die. We're going to be there. And whether you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and truly repented of your sin and given your life to Christ, my friend, if you haven't done that, the Bible says if the rapture takes place, you'll be left here. And you, you know what you think? You think, well, I won't take it. That's not true. Because you've allowed your pride or your position or what you do or who you are to keep you from coming to Christ and selling out. If you can't, if you can't come to Christ in this environment, you'll never be able to come to Christ in the environment because when somebody looks at you and they're ready to take your head off for your profession of Jesus Christ as your Savior, you'll crumble. When somebody looks at you and says you can't buy or sell, when somebody looks at you, with, with, will children be born in the tribulation? Yes. Somebody looks at you and says, you can't do this, you can't have this food, you can't go here, you can't do that. And hey, listen, you're in an age of digital currency, Bitcoin, you've got all kinds of indications that we're moving in that direction of complete control by government. If you can't come to Christ now, you'll never make it. You'll bow, you'll give in. Hey, you'll believe what Hollywood says. Brother Jeff and Sheila, they just disappeared because aliens took them. Hey, uh, Daniel, when uh, the 49ers are playing and Christian McAfee, who goes out and prays on the field, when he disappears in the middle of a play, they'll just say, an alien invasions took place. We're going to consult with Washington to find, oh my goodness, God help us. Do you know him? Do you know him? Let's stand. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to you, and Lord, we love you, and we praise you. Lord, we live in the most unstable time, I believe, that has ever been on this earth. And yet, dear Lord, we also live in a time when we can look around, and we can look in our Bibles, and we can see fulfillment of prophecy in a way we've never seen it before. And the same prophet, Zach Zechariah, 
who told us in Zechariah chapter 9 that Jesus would come, the Messiah would come, mounted on the foal of a donkey, a donkey that had never been ridden before, and that Jerusalem would welcome him. That same prophet also reminded us of what I've been preaching about today, Battle of Armageddon, the second coming of Jesus Christ, the celebration of the Jewish people when he comes. So, Lord, I pray today that if there's a man or woman that you're speaking to right now, that they would give their life to Christ in this moment, truly, radically be saved. For others in this room, wake them up out of their apathy, their indifference. That narcissistic, self-absorbed life that is the very opposite of what Jesus said. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross. Let him follow me daily. Lord, help us. If we're battling with a sin or an addiction, give us victory. Whatever you want to do today, for some who may be grieving over the loss of children, the loss of family members, the loss of siblings, the loss of parents, the loss of grandparents, the loss of a dear friend, may they realize that, that for all of those who've repented and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they will see them again and what a glorious reunion that'll be Lord I didn't want to leave heaven when I stood there next to the grandson that Jesus said this is him Lord I know there's women that have lost babies may you remind them dear Lord that when they get to heaven Jesus is going to say I got a big surprise for you when that baby was conceived in your womb, in that moment it was given a soul. It was given the ability to spend eternity everywhere. And I've been watching over that baby and that baby has been conformed into the image of Christ. And I want you to meet your little family that's been waiting on you. But Lord, may we live lives that will bring them glory and honor by living a life that will make them proud to lean over the banister of heaven and say, that's my mom, that's my dad. They're salt, light, and yeast. They're doing the kingdom's work. And may we do it until we finally come home and you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. <laughs> and, oh, and then we rest because I'm tired and my day's not over with. But we rest. We're home. So, Lord, I pray if somebody does not know you, maybe listening and watching, pray today that they would give their life to you and be forever changed so that one day absent from the body present with the Lord they'll be home we pray this in the name of Jesus amen you come may never be a moment like this moment you come you need to spend a moment at this altar you need to spend a moment praying you come you come it's not trying to come here to talk to me it's coming to this altar if you need to talk to the Lord talk to Jesus give him your life today sell out to the Lordship of Jesus Christ if you let the belt break if you're losing sight of your biblical worldview pull it back up tighten it up you come